0: Welcome to the Yorkshire Grip Podcast. Tackling some of the biggest issues in men's mental health.
1: Hey, it's been a while, Tom, hasn't it? It has been, Tommy. uh, We had Christmas. I was ill. Very ill. Very ill. Uh, (laughs) uh, I've been hibernating. (laughs) Yeah, you have. And big respect to you for doing that.
0: (laughs) Gave myself permission.
1: Big respect. Uh, Today's show.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Uh, we've got Dean Downing on. It's a brilliant show. Uh, we talk about something that we wanted to talk about for a while, retirement. Yeah. Massive issue. Of course it is. Significant risk factor for mental health difficulties. Yeah. Obviously impacts a lot on people who are in a sporting context, but also just people generally, doesn't it? Retirement. Of course it does. It's a big thing. Yeah. Um, because the transition from
1: not just a, a normal day job to retirement is hard, but from a sport in endorphins, boom, limelight, yeah. exercise. sole focus <sighs> of your life. If you Haven't got that plan. Well, you do it's a pressure to have a plan, but still, we speak about plan B, moving on, having a support
0: network. Dean so, talks about his story up to that point, he talks about his success, he talks about his ups and downs. He's brutally honest about yeah. his mental health and, got, uh, and how he's managed it. A few
1: tears were shed, tears uh, were shed, tears were shed. And uh, yeah, listening, this is episode nine. This is Dean Downing's story. Thank you for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Today's show was sponsored by PH Mass Paul Milne's cycle team. It's run by Neil Hendry. Great guy. He supports youth, junior talent, helps them get up the ladder. They've produced some amazing riders. Like Tom Pickard, Rob Scott, good old Rob. They're really passionate about Yorkshire Grip. They've seen some of the stuff that we've been doing. They really like developing riders, a bit like Dean Downing, who uh, we're going to have on the show today. And they really want to help riders struggling and coping with issues. So thank you ever so much to those guys for uh, sponsoring the show. The other sponsor that we have on is the Living Care Group. These guys have sponsored us before. They do screenings, blood tests. They're great. They've actually I'm going to sponsor eight of the episodes it's amazing to have you guys on board as well uh, you can check them out on their instagram living care group They're on the yorkshire grit feed so yeah thank you to these two people that do put this together because without those we wouldn't be able to do these shows so thank you so much
0: the yorkshire grit podcast
1: hello welcome back thank you this is episode nine Uh, Hi Tom, you alright mate?
0: Hi mate, how's it going?
1: Yeah, not bad, thank you. Uh, Look, I'm just going to get straight into this one. We're really lucky to have um, a friend of mine and also someone that I used to race with. Um, He's a father of two, he's married, he's an ex-professional cyclist who turned coach, who still coaches. His name's Dean Downing and he's here. Hello Dean. Hello, two Toms. Hi Dean. The two Toms, that's us.
0: (laughs) Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, we're inseparable, aren't we? We are. um,
1: Dean... Um, thanks for coming today. I know it took a little bit of time. To, it's took us a while to get over the line, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, um, we tried to organise it before Christmas. We did. Yeah. Um, you fell violently ill, violently from what I gather. Ill, yeah. Twice. Twice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we didn't get the, the, the pre Christmas one done. We but um, yeah, was we're a here shame. now after Christmas.
1: To give this a bit of uh, context for people, we and I'll let you do that because. I think you've got a really good way of doing that. We, we've we always known each other for maybe, what, 10 years? No yeah, only... I'd
2: say 10 years. We we used to race together, yeah, in the 2008s, 7s, that era, 2010. Still racing together, 2014, yeah. when I stopped. But right. yeah, I listened to this show from the beginning. And it was uh, Tour of Britain. Yeah, you... we saw each other Tour of Britain uh, so, finish line last September, and we were just walking towards each other. So we stopped and had a chat, and... Pretty much got straight into saying myself like, you know, great, great podcast, Tommy, and you told me a lot about what you'd been going through in the past and why you wanted to do the show and mm. you know what you wanted to talk about. It made me think a lot about what I'd been through. So you mentioned counseling and there are mm-hmm. so many aspects of why people get depressed. I went home and spoke to my wife about it. And part of what you told me was exactly what I'd been feeling or mm. a few years ago when I had my accident or after my accident. So, yeah, that's how we got where we are now today.
1: Yeah, it was good it, because people, myself especially, might have this perception of Dean Downing, archetypal cyclist, dedicated, tough, professional, blah blah blah, blah. But that day when I did meet you and we were milling around at the finish line or whatever, I did see a different side to you. And I, and I, and I maybe saw, I thought I saw like a vulnerability, just this, this little had just like you know like a like a like a glimmer like came out and I thought oh, you know fair play there because you didn't just go yeah oh, i'm fucking great life's mm. life's life's me yeah. you for the first time because if we were at a bike race or if we'd finished a bike race or we were in that sort of community you'd have been like life's mint i'm great i'm flying i'm smashing it
2: i i'd agree with that and i remember now being anxious talking to you um a little bit nervous talking to you because uh, we used to just knock chunks out of each other at the bike race. And (laughs) you know that was that messaged each other, et cetera. But that was stood there in the open chatting to you, people walking past and stuff. It was, you know, it was pretty deep Mm. Um, and I was a bit anxious talking to you about it, but I learned a lot from that conversation. And this is four years on from when I'd had all my troubles. Mm. And at that point at the back end of 2019, I was in a great place mm. i'm still in a great place now 2020 but take it back five years uh when i had my accident i wasn't in a great place mm-hmm. and for the following two
0: or so years yeah i had some tough times so we're, get, we're gonna come on to that dean but before we get there <laughs> we do this with pretty much every guest don't we would you mind just sort of telling telling your story up to that point you know even from growing up as a kid what got you in for th- cycling for people who are not cyclists yeah. what, like me to be honest <laughs> yeah, like,
1: uh, like, i'm really like, naive like, like, Doc,
2: tom. <laughs> like dr tom uh, it's um from like, yorkshire so that's yeah, box. yeah yeah yorkshire yorkshire <laughs> rider yorkshire born and bred rotherham based uh, i've lived abroad racing which is cool but yeah i grew up my dad was a cyclist um brother is still a cyclist mm. race with team sky which is pretty cool but yeah back further than that dad was a cyclist granddad and his four brothers were cyclists wow they used wow. to they used to do like touring cycling, so they'd go and ride from Rotherham yeah. um over the par, over the Pennines, go and watch Tom Simpson at Fallifield, you know, ride around the country, Legend. that, that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. Um so, so cycling was it's <laughs> like def-
0: three generations, yeah. three
2: generations. Yeah. So
1: Is that a pressure that? Was it bestowed upon you or was it like, nah, actually I do want to be a cyclist?
2: Not in the slightest pressure from mum or dad. Dad was a cyclist. Uh, I, I loved playing football when I was a kid. Did you? Yeah, so did Russ. Um, <clears throat> we were both pretty decent at football. Uh, so I f- I've f- played football from like under 10s. Started racing when I was 8. On wow. My first bike race when I was 8. And continued mixing winter football with summer cycling up until 17. So, yeah, it was, you know. Messed around with cycling, did a few crits and bits and bobs of schoolboy stuff, as it was called then.
0: So it was always in your sort of family legacy to carry it on. But what was it like when you, you got on that bike um, and, and how did you know it was for you?
1: Yeah, was there a moment where you were like, because football's mint and cycling's mint. Was there, was there a moment where you're like, I've got to choose one here?
2: Uh, well, when I was a kid, I used to love riding to Blythe, which is about mm. 10 miles away live in south yorkshire not in all oh, right like, <laughs> not, in, not up near not in the northeast like, mm, yeah that's like, quite mm, a long way yeah, <laughs> yeah not, the one near <laughs> not the one up northeast yeah so that was pretty cool i remember remember riding my bike down the street trying to do no-handed and i'd done no-handed and go yeah look at me Dad. <laughs> ran into the back of a car Oh no! <laughs> parked car put the right mm, tit yeah um that was when i was real young but um how I got to become more into cycling. I had an argument with my manager at the time, football manager, for him not giving my number out to a scout. And I'd been told this. I was pretty pissed off with him when I went to the training session the week after I'd heard about this. Mm. I had it out with him, and he's like, You don't need that team, you, you need our team. So I was like, oh, I don't need any of this shit. I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I stopped, literally stopped competitive football. That was like 17. I had a full winter. Of riding my bike yeah. and training, and you know, like the Dennington RC, uh, trained with those guys. they Had a really good club squad at the time, and that w- was running into my 18th birthday in January. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to really see a lot of results. Yeah, uh, more wins at junior level. Got on the Great Britain track team, which is pretty cool. Wow! What's a great? And how old were you when that happened? So I was 18 then. So
0: big moment for an 18. That was
2: round. very. Yeah, that was, that was very cool. So the, the funny story goes is that um I think it was like at Eastway, which is no longer there. Eastway is now on the, Olimp- well, Eastway is, was previously the Olympic Park in oh, right. Stratford. And I did a, a criterium there around Eastway. And I got like fifth or seventh or something. And I was the only non-GB squad rider or non-international. Wow. So I was the first noble rider, shall we say. And in the evening, I got a phone call from Alan Sturgis calling Sturgis' dad. Mm. What a connection. <laughs> a connection. I thought it was one of my mates taking the piss, you know, because I'd told my mates I'd done a great ride and you know, yeah. I'd been on the phone to one of them. So Alan Sturgis, my mum says, Alan Sturgis is on the phone. I went, hiya, who is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, <I'll> Alan. <laughs> and she's, she's like, oh, it's Alan. I was like, yeah, come on, who is it? And Oh, it, really? You really yeah, 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 I really went into it. I was like, oh... Who is it? Who is it? Is it Dennis? Is it Smiggy? Is it oh, you right. know? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was one of my mates taking the piss. He went, no, it's Alan Sturgis, and I was like, gobsmacked. And he, his phone call was to invite me to a, um, to a track squad session at Leicester, and that was like pff, mind blown. That was pretty cool. Mm. So I went along. Um, actually went along with Ken Matheson, uh, who was a coach at the time. Did all right. Got invited to be on the squad. Wow. And that would have been, like, April time, I guess.
0: Yeah. So it happened f- quite quite quickly. Quite then. quickly, yeah. yeah. And that was the proper beginning of the journey. What was it that, that you think they saw in you? I don't
1: know. I was, I was quite... Yeah, a, did you have a stand... Were you... You, to anyone who, who knows, you were a sprinter. But were you, like, punchy? Were you a bit, like, could you... You could get over bergs, couldn't you? Yeah,
2: I was, I was a punchy climber. So knowing what mm. I know now about, like, coaching and power data and stuff like that, my my one minute to five minute would have been pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but my sustainable 20 minute would have been pretty crap.
1: Yeah. Sorry, Tom. That In, in layman's terms, <laughs> for anyone who's not listening, that's how you gauge a cyclist. That That's, yeah, okay. that's kind of like a modern way of going, you know, what you're going to be like a Bradley Wiggins who's good at like long shit. He's going to be like so Mark Cavendish. So, quick burst, yeah. So, yeah, Dean was a bit like Mark Cavendish, better at like sprinting.
2: Yeah, pretty much. So, pretty uh, so that was what track racing was good at as well. Points races, uh, did a bit of team pursuiting with the, with the GB squad, mm. so that's probably what he saw in me on that day in March in '93, a long time ago. But yeah, from there, it, it, it started to go really good, really quickly. Yeah, uh, two years later, well, actually that year, actually, I I was like, I was at college. All right. Yeah, I was at college in Rotherham doing a building studies course, and I had my exams. Right, I'm on the short. I'm on the long list. No, I was on the short list to go to the worlds. Yeah. junior worlds
1: after being a footballer or whatever. How do you focus on your exams? Uh, like
0: exams, <laughs> college work. You're just there so, like drawing bikes on your exam yeah. paper. And, and what
1: was it like being at Rotherham at the time? Was it because it's quite an industrial, you know, hard area in a time where, you know, were times hard?
2: Times were okay. I think Rotherham's worse now, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, yeah, um, than it was then. Dad had a bike shop at that point, so that was pretty good uh, as right. well. Uh, Russ was racing a lot as a, as a schoolboy. Um, so being at Rotherham College was good. You know, I had good times with my college mates. Mm-hmm. They knew I was a cyclist. So, happy memories of Yeah, happy memories, yeah, of, growing happy memories just- of growing up in Rotherham. Yeah, definitely. But mixing the two became hard. I bet. And yeah. when I got my exam results, I think I'd failed three out of five. And I didn't get selected to go to the junior worlds. Oh, <sighs> which was in Perth, Australia, which i always wanted to go to Australia. <laughs> so yeah. in my own eyes, I've failed miserably at both, Yeah. which was a pretty tough moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, and thinking back now with sat here, it's like that's yeah, that's a tough tough decision I had to make, which, like, which was, right, I need to go down the education route because I always mm. wanted to be an architect, CAD drawing, that kind of thing. So that's what I did. I applied yeah. to Foundation Year Uni, passed that, got to uni for four years. And did four years at Sheffield Hallam University on a construction management degree. Nice one. Good on you. Got that. And then worked for eighteen months in the industry. And were you still we,
0: so Yeah. S- still Sorry, t- Tommy, you're about to ask it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were both like, Were you still cycling? <laughs> what were you doing in that
1: time? <laughs> yeah. Were you did you did you foot the cycling off? What you know, were you what? I, I had plenty of girlfriends at that <laughs> time. <laughs> and <laughs> and I did bits
2: of cycling, but it was more time trials, a bit of track. Um but towards the end of like when I was uh, like 98 was graduation time when I passed my degree mm. started doing uni champs became uni champ on the track pretty cool again yeah. <laughs> like, I was working with this guy John Moran was um, my boss effectively and I started winning like three leagues yeah. uh, locally to where I was living in London which mm. was very very yeah it was pretty cool and I got a picture in the Cycling Weekly which is cool at that yeah, time yeah that is cool yeah
1: he's good of course it is don't uh, yeah. play it you're being really kind of like isn't he yeah, yeah, typical. I, saw,
2: I showed John Moran and he was like, that's really good, like, you know. Nice, like yeah. A, and long story short, he was like, oh, you, you're really good at cycling. You should give it a go. I've worked all my life and I've got this art, but I was never good at sport. You should give it a go. And it was a bit of a flippant comment, but it sat with me quite yeah. quite a lot. In November 99, I handed my notice in. Did you? I'd saved up a fair few quid, um, sold my car. Were <laughs> you we in London? Oh, London-based, yeah. And um. Off I went to Australia, <laughs> Perth. Wow. What, to live? <laughs> For three months to stay with my, one of my dad's friends and um, enjoyed racing the scene there, the track, the crits, the road racing and got really immersed in full-time cycling. But I was a little, a little bit older. I was like 25 at the time.
0: Yeah. Did you, Did you? I uh, don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost did you savour it more because you might not have had it and you, you sort of worked really hard to get back to it? Or
2: Yeah, I think so, yeah, because, yeah. I was older, so it made me a bit more determined that I wanted to, uh, you know, me and Russ, my brother are really, really close. Mm. Um, and he always wanted to be a pro and he was a pro UK pro bike rider when he was 18, 19. Right. So
1: that was, and Were you jealous of him? Were you, uh,
2: uh not in any way. No, no, no never jealous. No, um,
1: Wow, what are you doing, working, man? Like, what? yeah, nine till five. I'm going out on the bike for four hours with the kids, you know, yeah. with the lads to the Peak District or whatever. Were you not? Was yeah, it? No, not
2: no. at oh no, never jealous of that. I was older and I knew about university. Russ didn't go to university, so he mm. was straight into pro bike riding. So, yeah, but I was determined more because I've got to give this a go. Right, I've given up,
0: given up my job, sold my, my job, car, moved moved so to yeah, Australia for a bit, Yeah, <laughs> for
2: a bit, and given a given a fair few chunk of a decent wage. And, yeah, you have, and I think. I think my dad was a bit disappointed with that, to be fair, that I'd given all that up to go and, Mm. you know, try and become a cyclist type thing.
1: Was that the kind of like the gateway was Australia, the moment where you were thought, right, I've given up my job, I've come to Australia, I've done really well for three months. Then did it kind of just go, because then you must have been doing it for another, what, 12 years, 13 years after that? Yeah. Something must have gone right. 14, (laughs) yeah.
2: Well, I had a great time. Yeah. Parties were great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I concentrated and I realized how hard I could train. And then with that, come like chilling out a bit and making new friends, Mm -hmm. being a cyclist, meeting new Aussie friends. Later that year, 2000, I went to Belgium for the first time and stayed there for summer. Hooked up with some of my now Aussie friends, which was great. And I just started to see this like bigger picture of cycling, of how the camaraderie was really cool. I had new friends from all over the world. You know, I I met Aussies, met... Kiwis, uh, Belgian riders, uh, Americans—all in two thousand era—and wow. that was when it clicked. It wasn't Australia; it was more so when I
0: went to Europe for the first time. So it's almost like immersing yourself in the full world of cycling, like giving yourself over to it, rather than just like the races and winning. That's fine, but actually making all these links and seeing what yeah. it's all about—that's yeah, what de- hooked de- you in, definitely. A- yeah. Acceptance,
1: like a sacral, like this is it. I've, I've, I've admitted I've got a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's it probably one of my first addictions. Isn't it, but isn't that <laughs> funny though? Because I'm obsessed with Belgium. Colin came on; he was obsessed with Belgium. You may, you may have gone to Belgium and gone, yeah, this is actually yeah. this is I,
2: fucking. I tried, tried to learn the language. It was pretty difficult learning Flemish, but I I got there.
1: Yeah, uh, which was cool.
0: come on, Tommy.
2: No, I'm not, on. I'm not. I'm not oh, doing it God anymore. I'm not.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mayonnaise, may- I, Manica Manica Manica. I, I'm not doing it anymore. It's too embarrassing. <laughs>
2: It says like manica, yeah. which means little boy, small man, but it's like a mate. Yeah. So I got into that. I was like, yeah, manica. manica. I just think it's cool. Like it. I'm it, it cool. I'm it, obsessed with Belgium. I, I loved Belgium. I loved it so much in 2000, the year that I went, that I stayed there for 2001, 2, and 3 wow. in a Belgium team.
1: And I immersed myself in that culture. Um, it seems really kind of... So we're listening to this, and it's just, it seems very easy. It's just like there there haven't been. It's just what you've done is you've quit your job, uh, which is really good, which is quite a hard decision to make. Not many people can quit jobs. You've moved to Australia, which would be daunting. Given that I go, you've done well. Left Australia. You you found somewhere to live in Belgium. (laughs) You've done that. You've made new friends again.
0: And you worked really damn hard on the bike. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Really worked stoically on the bike. Blah, 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 enjoyed it. We're there for three years and I've known people who've gone to Belgium and can't do a, a week or a month. They've really struggled to, to be there. Were there tough times, you know, in making it to, you know, the end of you, you know, were there tough times in Belgium? Was it, or was it just, were you just on this kind of like wave, this, this, this? I wasn't know?
2: on a wave at all, no. So the, the second year I went, I had a few money, money troubles because you just, you know, you, you, you're paying for digs, you're mm. paying for food, you're living um, and... You're not winning every weekend. No. You're getting your ass kicked a lot of the weekends. Oh, yeah, in Belgium, yeah. And you, you're scraping, you're going to go, you're going for a premium, you win 20 euros or whatever it was. You get a 10th, which is a good result. You get 50 euros. Mm. You, get a, you get a string of like 15, so you get like 12, 12 euros or whatever it is. Yeah. So you're skimping and scraping. So there's a few instances like that where it's like, Dad, it's like, all right, so yeah, I'm running out of money. Right, I'll wire some over or whatever it was in those days. And, yeah. you know, he'd send you 100 quid. And you'd last another few weeks, but again, I immersed myself in the way of life there. So I was really fortunate that I met some great people and I ended up living with a family. Like you, know, you, you read some cycling books and lots of people have done that over the years. So you, I lived with a family mm. and that was fantastic. I paid them board and lodgings and they. Took me to the races in their car. Yeah, wow. they 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 helped me out massively. I'm still friends with that family now, That's twenty great. years on, exchanging Christmas cards and phone calls with Brilliant. the kids and things like that. That was a great time, but it was again, it was tough. It was never never
0: super easy. What happened after that?
2: Um, me and me and brother Russ won the the Madison champs. Yep. in two thousand three, and we beat um, I think it was three Great Britain team. Pairings at the time, and they were all on the GB team Mm -hmm. preparing for Athens in 2004. So, what happened with that is me and Russ got a tryout for the team, which was called as a Madison pairing. So, that was the start of it properly because we got funded um, from UK sport, as it probably, yeah, pretty sure it's still the same. Then, 2004, we got into the recycling team, which was a new team in the UK put together with five of the you know very very good riders so 2004 2005 we won a lot of races mm. as a team and that's probably when it started that's the 10 the start of my 10 year uk based pro rider you know traveling the world with great britain wow winning races here there and just everywhere. going from
1: strength to strength really
2: yeah I really did yeah i really did yeah 2004 me and russ rode the worlds together um, Where was we'll, that? Where was that? Uh, in Melbourne, Australia. So we rode the Madison uh, Worlds together, which was, yeah, sitting in now, things, mate, it was pretty amazing to ride the Worlds with your little brother yeah. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. you've been riding around the streets of Thurcroft in Rotherham like 30 years earlier. Yeah. yeah and, and ironically, Russ was going so strong there and I was going so crap. I had like oh, such yeah. bad legs. We got 10th or 11th in the world. And on the day, I was devastated. Mm. There were tears, there was a lot of like disappointment. That I'd let my brother down because he was flying. I was going shit. Mm. Weeks before that, we were getting fourth, sixth in World Cups. So getting tenth and eleventh was was pretty bad. But yeah, now sitting tenth and and eleventh in the world (laughs) ain't bad. Yeah, it's not. But in the moment, in the moment, you just if it's not first, you just feel like a failure, don't you? You do feel like a failure, yeah. And that was that was a big
1: hit. How was your mentality in cycling? You know, when you were training, because I've raced against you. And I've raced against your brother and I'm trying to think, you know, some people play the game a bit like, I haven't trained much this week. I haven't done much, or they'll be a bit, or they'll be really competitive and you can tell they are a competitive bastard, but you know, were you, were you completely obsessed or could you, you know, cause you'll have seen cycling change now, you didn't have power back then really, and aerodynamics not exist. You're a, bit, you're a bit like the John Tanner Malcolm Elliot. <laughs>
2: Flappy jerseys and yeah. <laughs> really high. Yeah. What
1: were you like? Were you obsessed?
2: I wasn't obsessed, no. Not at all. So I could I could go easy on rides if I wanted. I could not go hot too hard and get dropped if I wanted, if that makes sense. So I used to train with Russ quite a lot, Swifty, you know, John Tanners, Kev Dawson's, Wayne Mandels. Yeah. Heroes. Absol- uh, what was
1: it like? Okay, like this is it. Yeah. What was it like training with because like Wayne Randall, to me, is a hero. John Tanner is a hero. Duncan Morley is a hero. Kev Dawson is a hero. But that is also the epitome of our first masculine norms. Could you ever... This will lead us in. See, do you see how I did that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seamless segue.
1: Seamless. You're getting good at this, Tommy. Do, do, do you... Oh, wow. Yeah, because I've even spoke about this before, about those guys. Could you have ever turned up on a on a ride and gone? Do you know what, guys? Actually, I'm you know, feeling a little bit down today. Um, you know, do you mind if we talk about?
2: It? <laughs> no chance, Absolutely no chance. So, I, tra- I I trained very rarely with Wayne Randall and John Tanner together. Uh, and if you got all three of them together, <laughs> the 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 Kev Dawson, the Wayne Randall, the the John Tanners, it was murder. It was so they just used to half wheel the shit out of each other, and it was. Until the last one standing, mm. and it was generally Wayne that was the last man standing. Oh, so, God. and it it was really really horrible to train with them because you got battered. You did get battered. Yeah, because they knew no limits. They just went until they blew. But what?
1: what yeah, I you, saw, have be, you have to be mentally strong. Men- ma- absolutely, yeah. Because not just to go out for a ride. It's it's nine am, eight am. It's a bit cold outside. It's raining. You're having your third cup of coffee. Uh, uh, right, I'm going out with these guys. Fuck. But also to get battered, not destroy yourself. Repeat, go again. Mm. And not show any weakness. Yeah, not try.
2: <laughs> yeah, try not show any weakness, cause they'd see that. And you were racing against them at the weekend. Yeah. two thousand seven. Mm. They were still very good. I was on still winning sp- races. Sports
1: yeah. cover with John when I in twenty twelve eleven.
2: Yeah. twenty eleven. Yeah. So take back two thousand seven. That was my Rafa Condor year when I won everything. five yeah, Remy calendars. Everything. I think so that and. Yeah. All sorts of other stuff. But I remember before the tour of Reservoir early March, we all used to go out on a Wednesday in the peaks. We'd all ride from Rotherham, Donny, oh, go around the so same route. Same weird, route, yeah. yeah. Haddersidge, top of Ringing Low, and then get to the top. Either have coffees or just split off and off. You go like to Rotherham and Donny. So you go and, meet and with you meet at Wentworth, you go out, lads, 10 of you all go, and it'd just be like full gas up the climbs just Mm -hmm. half-wheeling each other and hanging on and stuff. And I remember on the last climb, Russ had been dropped, I'd been dropped, so Dawson had been dropped maybe. No, maybe Kev wasn't out, actually. But definitely John had been dropped. By Wayne and Wayne was last man standing at the top. I was like, God, that that hurt, that did. Mm. So fast forward to the weekend, I had some easy weeks, and I I know that they every Thursday or Friday they used to go to <coughs> Friday Thorpe
1: and back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about this.
2: 120 mile, just smashed each other. Is that to hold? Are you going to, basically from Doncaster all the way up to like near Whitby. Yeah, I've heard or, about no, this. No, sorry, near Filey or something like. That. I've heard, I've heard. They, to, they just smashed each other again. So they were pretty tired for the race. I'd give me going easy. John and Wayne. All day in the tour reservoir, were left chasing the group up the road, which I was in, and I won the race. Mm. And that
1: it was a moment, was yeah, that? Was a, that was, was a moment, that was like, a like,
2: moment for you, was yeah. That, well, yeah, do you yeah. not
1: give yourself credit because that's prob- just how I pro- probably were. didn't know, yeah, but yeah, just like, it on. just shows
2: you that, that, that those guys then were just animals, but they they could have been so much better. In the future if, if during they, pride
1: and ego took over a bit possibly
2: yeah possibly they were tough so that was it they love being tough
0: so you yeah. sort of navigated it in a different way yeah
2: navigating a different way I, I knew i had to rest because i was tired right. so, and i knew i had a, my importance was racing i i, I did training because i had to because it made me fitter and made me better for the racing i absolutely loved racing mm. loved racing loved winning races loved getting on the podium yeah loved being part of the teams that i was with But it was all about racing for me, so the training was like you
1: had to do it. Yeah, good at racing. Some people, some people are all about training and then forget how to race or don't. Yeah, or can't race or can't race. How many people have you seen? Some people don't know how to race, but they would kill you on chain gang. Much better thresholds than me. Like some people used to think I looked like a rugby player because I was always big, wasn't I?
2: Yeah, chunky.
1: And I could never really climb if it was like one minute, two minute. Yeah, I could, you know, maybe not a bit, a little bit longer. Mm. And I would always suffer in my head at thinking, God, I'm just not good enough. Just purely because of how I looked, that would just, straight away, any race turned up, people were dead lean, looked amazing. And I would just always, and that's enough to really like fuck with you mentally. That's, uh, well, that's, that's a confidence thing, isn't it? Yeah, but can you imagine it, turning up to a race overweight?
2: Yeah, you know, you've done podcasts on that, haven't you? And that's, I, I did that's it, a I thing, did it, yeah. I did it my whole life. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, and that, that's a confidence, your confidence Knocking you back, isn't it? And if you're not confident on the start line of any sport, especially yeah. bike racing, when you've got other guys who you know have been training hard and they yeah. know how to race and yeah. they're leaner than you, and yeah. like you, start, you start telling yourself the wrong answers, if that makes sense. You, you start telling yourself, no, you can't do it. Yorkshire grit.
1: Most of your career, winning a lot, flying. I uploaded a picture recently to say that you were coming on and you said, oh, that was 2012. That's when I was thinking about retirement. So 2012, you you thought about retirement, and it was it 2014 you did retire.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, I was always confident as a bike rider, confident that I didn't work, confident that I was able to win races, so that was good. But 2012, I was, I had a lot of illness. My confidence took a massive dive. Hence why I started talking and thinking about Mm. retirement.
0: Talking to my wife. What was the illness? Don't mind. Um,
2: Knowing what I know now, I had a massive crash in 2011. In the winter, right. and I got a concussion. I got knocked out. So I came back too early. That's my feeling now. Yeah. I used, I just got a virus. I got ill. I got bacteria. I got like spent a three month period of being ill on and off right. and just did terrible in the races. I was packing, like stopping races, DNF in all sorts, but, uh, it got me thinking and spoke to John Herity about it. It was my then boss. I'm thinking of retiring John and he's like, have a, have a change, you know, try and find a new team. So that's what I did. Madison Genesis, and then on to NFTO, where yeah, I stopped yeah. racing. Um, John Wood was great with that. He bought into my idea of retiring, which was, I'd had to put a lot of plans in place, working with other other brands. But stopping in Sheffield, which is, you know, 10 miles away, went to uni there, yeah. home city. And that's what I did, and that was, um, that was a great day, you know, retiring in Sheffield, my whole family there. The Belgian couple who I lived with, they came over no secretly. Yeah. Nice. Turn, I turned around uh, at the barriers Whoa. and they were stood there. I was like, "Oh, what you, a moment." You
1: bastards, like, <laughs> "You yeah. <they> weren't coming." <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool.
2: It's 2014. That's um, when you stopped. That's when I stopped, yeah, July 2014.
1: Everything you known basically
0: yeah. stopped. Yeah. Your, yeah. your career, your identity, yeah, my, my the, career. The, the buzz, yeah. all of that. Yeah.
2: But I I'd, I'd worked hard through 2014 and then in the latter half of that to find New things to do. Coaching became one. I agreed to go into train shop with Sean Yates and John Sharples. That was really good. So I started the path of coaching, which was very, very good. I had A lot of like individual contracts going mm-hmm. on. So 2015, I had a few riders, two or three coach riders, which was a great start. I so was working with sorry. an events company.
0: So, so at that point, retirement was it was going okay.
2: Yeah, it was going yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, it yeah like because a, it was
0: something a, new. A smooth transition. You'd kind of planned it out feeling good about it
2: yeah definitely yeah and um it all came to a big halt in july of 2015 when i got involved in a hit and run when i was out on the bike with the lads i knew immediately that i was when i was laid on the ground that something was wrong because i couldn't get up Where was that it was <laughs> it was in blythe we mentioned earlier on and it was a route that i've done a thousand times yeah. probably yeah. more the van came close moved moved us into the gutter i hit the curb and then I, I hit the curb and lost control and hit a lamp post. That was my biggest accident ever. You know, I've I've been on the floor before, collarbone done and like, oh bloody I'll be collarbone again and get up and go, Oh sorry. Mm. I couldn't move because I knew something was wrong with my leg. I just couldn't move it. God. Um so yeah, I've got up in the ambulance, leant on my leg to get onto the steps, shooting pains through my knees. You know, days after I bust my cruciate ligament and bust really? my medial and um, what after oh you'd found no it? I have sorry you know I've been Shh. to been to the hospital you cruciate. and, and uh, no, I bust I my cruciate it. ligament bust my medial so straight away I was in a in a um in a brace yeah so went from loving life to being in a hospital bed um it's, um, it's Donny so, at Donny Hospital. Yeah.
1: So retirement, all of a sudden, because you know the the reason you're here today is the transition from being a cyclist to, and the transition you we spoke to the, the guy recently, didn't you, about this? Yes, I did yeah,
2: Charlie. All right, yeah.
1: It's a big thing, mm-hmm. and you're the first person to come on to tell us about retirement. And I know Yanto, Tom Barris, these people, and I know they, you know, it's not an easy thing. So you had this crash and you said just then you were quite brave and saying it kind of all came to a halt. Do you want to maybe talk us through, uh, maybe kind of up to now where you, like the lows of that and, you know, and, and then basically come in here.
2: Well, yeah, the the transition was that I had, I had a plan to go with and that plan got stopped straight away Yeah, because I couldn't work. I had a brace on for three months. I uh, had three months after that rehab, that's six months, no work. That's a lot of finances lost. Yeah. Like you mentioned at the start, I'm married, two children own a house. So I was earning very, very minimal income mm. that pushed me and my family to the limits. Uh, and at the end of 2015, I'd signed a contract to manage another team. The team fell through. So I had literally nothing Fuck. about three or four coach riders. Mm. Uh, wasn't able to ride that much cause I was still having rehab. So all my plans of retirement just fell through and yeah, I was, I was literally like phew, two years behind everybody. And that was my own thought process as so I was like, right, I'm going to get left behind
0: mm.
2: by a cycle, by going to get left behind by cycling. Yeah. Not being in the limelight, not being me at the races, doing yeah. what I love. like me on my bike. So the first person I called was John Herity to see if he had anything that he could help me with. And he said, no, budget's gone, but I'll we'll have a think. So he gave me an opportunity to work with the team as an assistant DS mm-hmm. uh, through 2016. Uh, but there was no money there. In the end, I was helped out by a personal friend of John Heritage and mine, which was great. But I was working for free, kind of. Yeah. But I had to do it because... I wanted to be back in the limelight,
1: and you had and you had a family to support. and I had a family yeah. to
2: support. So I had a few of the bits and bobs going on, but I had like three or four coach riders. Now three or four coach riders is like five, six, seven hundred pound. You can't run a house on that. No. It's impossible. You can't look after a, a wife and two children on that. And that's what led me to kind of think. I was, I was always worrying about that. About I'm not looking money. after my family. Yeah, money, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 money, yeah. So I ended up going to the docks a routine medical and it was my normal doctor so oh, how's life how's retirement and I said, oh, I'm doing but I, you know, this has happened oh, Yeah, yeah you know how are you doing after that so well and he started asking me questions and probing mm. without me even realizing before I knew it he was asking me about you know family and he was basically going through a set of questions which led to him diagnosing me with mild depression mm, yeah. and at the end I just broke and just sobbed there yeah. that i was i was so scared of not looking after my family i was so scared of failure and that's what i was
0: feeling at the time what, what do you think he saw in you in that in that appointment to to sort of start probing
2: yeah i'm not sure cuz you know he was like how how has it been on the other side you know yeah. not being a sports person not having that adulation that was one yeah. word he mentioned yeah. which I was like yeah, it's all right, yeah yeah but at the moment this is happening so I was just chatting to him, yeah. but in the end, yeah, he was sort of putting he was two,
1: two he together. was very
2: good, well, He's a very good GP. Like, he, so he,
1: he must be, because you, you wouldn't maybe get many people with that.
2: Astute, yeah.
0: I, yeah. Think, I think retirement is a risk factor. Of course it's it is. It's a known is. risk factor for, yeah. for mental health difficulties. So maybe he was just sort of following that a little bit.
1: My dad makes notes every morning. He's retired, uh, but he wasn't even in sport. Wow. So yeah. you had this on endorphin high, yeah. which is addictive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People know you. You're in a bubble. You go to a bike race. We like we all love it. It's a very small bubble. Come out of it and say you got third at in 2012 by Jack Puller. No one gives a fuck. (laughs) So you're in a niche bubble. So when that does go, Mm. it is, um, and that's basically why this podcast has started. It's because when I, you know, went through all my shit, still going through it. You know, it was it was tough. It Mm. was it's a big part, and I'm still now only just, and I see it in everyone. I see it who not just people who have retired, but then they, you know, they want to be part of it. And you're really lucky that you've had a doctor there who I think is, has been really kind of like supportive.
2: Well, I came home from the, from the doc's appointment mm-hmm. and I was, you know, my wife knew I was having a doc's appointment, but it was for medical. I'd just yeah. become 40. So that's what it was for. So I come back and I walked in and I broke down in front of him. She said, Oh, what's the matter? What's the matter? So I, mm-hmm. And I said, I've got the same tablets as you, darling. Do you know, what Fuck. do you mean? <laughs> and my wife, Katie, she suffered in twenty fourteen at the end of twenty fourteen with postnatal depression after our second. So at that time frame, she knew the signs. Mm-hmm. And this would maybe have been twenty sixteen, early twenty sixteen, when this doctor's appointment happened. So all through twenty sixteen, I was, you know, on antidepressant tablets, but she helped by seeing the signs during twenty sixteen, mm. and I had some pretty shit moments, you know, like. What pretty- were the
0: signs? Um,
2: for you, for for, for Katie and oh, yeah, for me, for KTM, yeah. For you, yeah. Uh, drinking at home when you know I don't normally drink, what, drinking being, heavily at fiddle, home. A, fit
1: as a fiddle. Yeah,
2: yeah. drinking heavily at home, yeah. um, getting addicted to the to the painkiller tablets that I'd been taking whilst in after pain the crash, yeah. after the crash <clears throat> or things like that. Been there, done that. Yeah, but I think the overriding thing was, um, I think it would have been Christmas 2016. So it's still a long time after the accident Mm. still, you know, we were still in financial debt and I think we, we got some booze for Christmas and I was oh yeah, I like this liqueur. I drank nearly a whole bottle of liqueur one night on my own, just in the house
1: Mm.
2: and I was taking,
1: you know, painkillers painkillers as well. Yeah, another feeling. And
2: my wife just said, Dean, just get upstairs.
1: I'm all right, but I wasn't all right. Really appreciate that. Um, and I know you're saying it quite blasé. But. Well, I, I
2: am, but yeah, and it, it scared me afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two young children, so. Of course. That was the massive turning point. Yeah, of course it was, mate. Come here. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: know. Good on you for being good on you for fucking saying that. Yeah, I but mean, that
2: that was a big thing because Christmas time with kids is amazing, isn't it? So uh,
1: is Christmas amazing? Uh, yeah, yeah, it I can be. I know you mean. Yeah, can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I don't buy into Christmas being amazing. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. But but anyway, yeah. That,
2: but that was the big turning point. That was the turning point. And then the well, other but, turning point was 2017 when the the case that I was fighting came through, and I got a big check in the post.
0: Right from the crash. From yeah. the
2: crash money doesn't buy you happiness shit me that day <laughs> <laughs> seriously like well, yeah che- you still need some don't you yeah you still like, need some to
0: live and, yeah, and
2: pay you the house over your, you know the roof over you over your head so that was the big big turning point february 2017
1: um yeah we paid a lot of debts off what we'd been helped by friends and family and and also maybe the realization that you know that you know i deserve that
2: yeah, I, I thought I deserved it. I <laughs> yeah. worked my ass off, and that's your day. In for court. no fault of my own, I'd yeah. been run off the road, and put under a lot of strain and pressure, and that so was a big turning point. And
0: you, so you yeah. were taking medication. Was anything else helping you? Any other strategies you were using at that time?
2: My my coaching helped. Yeah, you know, working with the riders that I had at the time. You know, lots of lots of good riders, lots of varied riders. So yeah. I, I feel really fortunate now that I've got a really good. Cross section of riders that I work with. So kind of you getting know, back into that environment. Yeah, getting back feeling into feeling sense of achievement, helping yeah. other people. Yeah. But also during seven 2017 was a massive turning point yeah. for me. And literally, I would say money is not everything, but that check arriving mm. changed everything for us as a family. um And it changed my. I just went right. This is great. We can sort this out. Yeah. Problem solved monetary problem solved. Mm-hmm. I need to get back on this. I need to get back to being confident, Dean, mm. yeah. to get back working hard. Yeah. And, and I started working hard, start being more confident, start thinking about things properly. Business, coaching, bike riding, things like that. And 2017 was a, was a great year, yeah. but the worst thing, what I did probably was right. I don't need these tablets anymore. And I just threw them away. Oh, right. <laughs> did you? Uh... I just went. So did it. My wife was like, "No, nah, no, nah, you've got to win yourself off." And I was like, "No, nah, I'll just do it." Oh, I had a horrible two weeks or three weeks or mm. whatever it was. I was in a bad place again. But I just, again, I, I pushed through and went through it, and I got through the other side. And so you know, that's
1: is that belief? Is that is that? I, the, I is, think it's belief. The, yeah. yeah. Had you been robbed of your belief, and then you possibly got that belief yeah, back from a bike ride, and you thought, "No, nah, not this," and I'm going to fight this. Yeah, that's what I did.
2: I, I fought a lot of things. So my injury was not.
1: Kind of not there anymore. So mm. my my my
2: thought process was right. I'm gonna fight this, and off I went. And I, um, I got healthy again mentally. I was really in good spot in 2017, um and then into 2018, kind of hit a brick wall again a little bit when I was working with the Halls of Team.
0: Tell mm. us a bit about that, Dean.
2: Well, you know, I'd been coaching in 2017. Me and Russ started the brand down in cycling, so I moved from train shop down cycling which was great they were really happy for me to do that i started working with the holes of team and i was in that pressure pot again of you know working for somebody else and lots of orders and it was a bit of a personality clash right uh, mm. with myself and the boss and it, it was really really hard and i was trying to manage my own business yeah. as well mm. gone from seven riders to 15 double my rider you know coaching things so that was really really good but on the other scale trying to trying to run and That team was really, really hard. Um, But in the middle of 2018, I just came to a bit of a head uh, within the team and the owners and Mm -hmm. just handed my notice in. Which again was a big thing to do, but again, it was a relief, Um, especially for my wife as well, because that that six-month period, what happened is I went back onto the anti tablets. Mm -hmm. I started drinking again in the night when I got home from the office, the, the the other work office still having to make my phone calls and do my coaching. and right. But I was drinking at home a lot again.
0: Trying to manage the stress.
2: Trying to manage the stress and, yeah. you know, what do you do when you drink? You, I, I always to feel happy. I'm not an angry drunk. I was just like mm. happy and relaxed. But and, then it's so the next day. You, it's the next day, but you get on with it and you do it. So, again, June 2018, that environment stopped through handing my notice in, which mm. is, again, tough decision, but it happened and, you know, that's that. So I moved forward by Again, doing the same thing. I didn't learn about just I don't need them tablets anymore. I'm gonna crack on and and do it, and that's what happened. And yeah, that's it well,
1: you're a tough mo- guy, man.
2: You're a tough guy. months ago
1: or yeah. You're a tough you know you you're tough on the bike, but yeah. After retirement, for I was always really lucky because I had a job. But if you haven't, and luckily you know you went to and whatever, but you know that doesn't come into. You haven't used that degree. There isn't a prerequisite for retiring in the there, UK. There isn't a PDF that you can download and go right. All right, being down and retired on this day, this is now what you do.
2: Well, we're we're talking about the UK professional market. Whether like I, I class myself as a professional cyclist because I was paid, you know, I was full time. Mm. But I'm not a world tour rider, so I'm not earning world tour figures. It's, the, it's the, not the, like football. It's not like football. So you know, UK bike riding, you earning if you're doing well 20 25 grand you know that was my era so I was fortunate to be in that but you can't retire and lay on the beach after no <laughs> after a few after two or three years of that kind of way you've got to find some other kind of but this is the nitty-gritty this
1: is the this is the reality of this
2: that's what I was planning on doing it came to a halt and now I'm i you know the last 18 months I've been working my ass off like with down in cycling as a brand to work with my brother and the coach riders that I've got yeah, I've come out the other side, so.
1: Good on you, man, because that, sh- that shows you, doesn't
0: it? What, what's it been like talking about all this, you know, um, and, and talking to other people about it as yeah, well, talking start, about your mental health? Yeah, and I started
2: talking to other people um, kind of at the end of 2016, and in 2017 I started talking a bit more about it. I think mm-hmm. I gained my confidence back, again, back to the, the, the payout that I had. Mm-hmm. It... it Gave me confidence that I was able to move forward. And I thought, well, we mentioned Charlie Moraine. You've just done a piece with him. And I met him on a bike ride in 2017, mm. which was for um, you know, rugby players and cricketers who come out of retirement. And they were doing, a, it was called the Big Bike Ride, mm. doing several stages. And their stage was from Birmingham to Sheffield, where, you know, close to where I live. So I said to Paul Shafto, a well, mutual friend of the PCA, yeah, I'll come on that with you, mate. Yeah, I'll be good at that. Um, you know, chat to people about what I've been through because he knew what I've been through. Yeah. So I opened up to Paul and that was really good. That was probably in the in the summertime in, in 2017. Mm. Um, so that was the first big thing that I'd talked about it. Yeah. And afterwards, it felt really good. Of course like, it does. Yeah. It's talking, man. Yeah. Um, my wife came to pick me up at that. and met Paul, I met the other cricketers and my kids came along. And so my wife knows that I've started to talk about it at that point. Um,
1: do, you, you, do you feel that you, you're... Better at talking now, and you're yeah, better, and if you are yeah. having a bit of a, a, I'm, a tough time, you'll you you know you can pick up the phone or you can you know you can speak to someone. But
2: I'm 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 on I'm more honest with people now about what I've been through. Uh, a lot of my coach riders, over time become become like friends. You know, yeah. you know, maybe that's not the right coaching method. I don't know. But no, I was you gonna know,
1: say sorry to interrupt you. For me, coaching shouldn't just be physical. It's
2: not it's so, not about power numbers all the time. It's well, not about data planning. It's no, about being there for a rider. Yeah. Young, old, male, yeah. female, it's about yeah. being there. That's my belief. So that's the coaching style that I do. But yeah, over time they they've seen things in the in the press and then I'll chat to them and say, "Oh, how, how's things?" Yeah, yeah, I go. Yeah, Oh, I saw that article. and go, "Oh yeah, thanks for reading that." Yeah, yeah. I'm doing all right you know. And then we'll talk about things or I'm deadly honest when I'm doing things with my family, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's important to me doing things like yesterday, for example, I went out to Stanage Edge with my family.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm good at turning my phone off now.
1: Nice. Good for you. So yeah, good
2: for you, man. I walked in this room tonight and uh, well, I walked in this room and turned my phone off. So nobody can, nobody can bother me. Nobody you, can get me, but people who my wife knows I'm coming here. Yeah. Some of my coach riders know I'm coming here cause yeah. phone calls and, training peaks messages that I won't be available at this time because I'm doing this. I'm honest with them that I'm doing this and I'm honest with them about my own mental health, but I'm in a good spot to tell them that I'm doing this.
0: Bit of a leading question maybe, but do you feel stronger by being honest and talking to people?
2: Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get anxious about them trying to ring me and I'm not available. Mm. I used to get anxious about stuff like that in the 2016s and even in 17 and 18 and it's like you get anxious about not being able to answer my phone because I'm driving on the tour to Yorkshire mm-hmm. when riders have got sessions to do and they're going to have questions about the session so I don't get anxious about that anymore which is why I feel confident again <laughs>
0: yeah. do you think because um, we talked about the, the sort of cycling environment a couple of decades or so ago maybe a bit more recently than that where people would just smash each other I mean, obviously that still happens, but do you think in terms of sort of talking about mental health and getting support for that, is that changing within cycling?
2: There's a lot of teams that are changing. There's a lot of teams that are now, nah, they've got like 60-year-old directors or managers that have been there and done it all the time. So they do it the same every Mm -hmm. single year. Right. You've got your top tier of teams that are winning everything because they're looking at everything. Mm. So whether that's psychology of riders that includes mental health of riders. Yeah. You know, proper eating, you know, whether there's lots of, let me
0: see. They're looking at all that, the different yeah. factors. They're
2: looking at all the different factors and they add staffing to that. Mm. So uh, the top tier teams, are, I would suggest they're definitely looking at things like that.
0: It yeah. sounds like you're trying to bring that in as well with your coaching, you know, just even just trying to k- change the culture a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. Yeah. I, I'm I'm also honest. Like I'm, I'm an ex bike rider. That's that qualified at the minimal level as a coach, mm. but I know the racing aspect. I've learned oh, about yeah. I've learned about the power data from the guys like John Sharples and C and then the guys at Train Sharp to produce training plans that are progressive, that move through the periodized you know, that's like mm. proper coaching stuff. But also as well, I like to pick up the phone and talk to a rider about a race coming up or a race that they've done. Yeah, uh, it's not just about a training plan mm-hmm. for me. Um, but yeah, I enjoy the interaction with all the coach riders that I have. Um, like I say, whether that's male, female, you know, youngers, yeah. old
1: ones. I would um, like to, I personally would, would like to maybe see more of a, you know, people like Marcel Kittle who retired or, you know, Pete Kenner. Or, um, there is a lot of people who retire every year and they are young and there are loads of examples. Um, I would love to see maybe, has everything been done to ask, why do you want to retire? Can we learn from why Marcel Kittle, the most one of the most successful sprinters of all time, why have he left the sport?
2: I think he le- well, yeah. Why? Media would say that he left because of the pressures of what he felt and he had someone, to do, th- didn't he?
1: I think someone said something to it. I think he was at Quick Step or something The Fed. Do not quote me on this. <laughs> said something like he needs to sort his head out or he doesn't want it enough. All right, okay, so he doesn't want it enough. Why? yeah. have, have that's you the actually question, yeah. sat him down? and said, are you all right? What's going on? Do we need to sort out this? Do we need to sort out that? Do we need to work out? Are you telling me that everything was done? Everything was done for him. I don't I've, think. Obviously it, not. I don't think no, it was. Obviously not. Because, you know, he, he and he walked away, and I just hope, and I hope that with cycling, people don't just look at power date and they don't just look at the aerodynamics, because that'll get you so far, and I hope that people look and think, They were just open about how they feel about cycling and the pressure of it and not comparing, eating well, not thinking they've got to be be skinny. Because if you do all that, you'll last longer. Yeah, you will do, yeah. Yeah. And I I go and visit some of my riders when they
2: race. Uh, I went to the National Cross Champs uh, a week or so ago. One of my riders, um, she'd she'd been ill in the week, but she wanted to get a result at the Nationals. She'd won a National Trophy round. She'd been ill in the week, had a cough. Mm. And she she didn't do very well. She got eighteens. She came off the cross and she was devastated. Mm. And I was there with her, with her mum at the you know at the, at the van. She was bubbling up with tears in her yeah, eyes, yeah. and her mum was like, I said, "You know, are you all right?" I was yeah. like, "Are you all right?" She went no, and I just I just gave her a hug. Oh, good Whether that's that. whether that's the right thing to do or not, she sent me a WhatsApp. Sounds
0: like it. <laughs> it is me. She sent
2: me it a is, WhatsApp uh, an hour later saying, yeah. "Thank you so much about for today." Yeah, I really needed to let go. Uh, when I'd finished I wanted so much more I so wanted to go to the worlds and that's not happened now because she had a bad result and this that and other but it's like you know that's what I wanted to do Hug and man hug, yeah yeah H- <laughs> hug, hug more man Dean yeah. before
0: before we started you you were telling me that you can be quite an emotional guy yeah. yeah and uh what's what's it been like sort of I don't know just showing that more or getting in touch with that more because you know, as guys, sometimes we really struggle with it, don't we?
1: Well, we had a little moment then. You know, you got a little bit teary, and I thought that was great. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I
0: didn't. As I, I said earlier, I've cried four four
1: times in, since since uh since Saturday, mm. and they've been they've been good ones. They've been like realization ones. I don't care if people think God. Tom's yeah. cried four times in four <laughs> days since Saturday. I don't give a
2: fuck. When when my accident. Came along, obviously, bust my knee. I was in a brace and had to um, sleep in my five-year-old daughter's bed for probably four months because mm. I couldn't move my leg. That was pretty shit.
0: Yeah, you know? <laughs> just a bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <It was> pretty... <laughs> Mate, you're so blasé <laughs> and understated about. But
2: in the mornings, like my 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 daughter would come and, and say hello to me, and she was five then, so she's not really getting it. But she she would sing her favourite songs to me. Yeah, like. Can't remember which one it was, but it, she sang it word for word that she'd learnt off the radio, or whatever. And it and it and it was a it was a it, it was just, a nice song, yeah. Nice words and the story. Just I was just thinking about it and it just broke me in half. Yeah, it but, just did yeah. you. Know, and that and you know I am emotional. I've always been emotional. My wife will say that. Yeah. But uh, at times but, like that, it was it was pretty tough. But today I've been thinking. I've had sleepless nights about this podcast have you yeah just of what <laughs> oh, I was going to say just what what would I want to say do I want to go Isn't in with the process and be really cool and da? da, da. but today you know no right or wrong, I, I was I was wondering whether I should talk about the lowest lowest moment
1: you got to you got to be honest because when you are you yeah, know
2: because that's it, what it was and that's what we're here to talk about yeah you just but how to get back from that yeah thinking about that moment was is pretty it's it was a it was a bad tough moment but yeah I'm, you know, better for talking about it. It's all right to be emotional. Yes, exactly. You you, you can be stronger
0: by being emotional. Yeah, it's just feelings, aren't they? Yeah, just feelings.
1: Yeah. I on Friday, Thursday, Friday, I've had these realization things, and they're so overwhelming um, that I couldn't breathe at times. Uh, I'm not going to say the worst moments of my life, but they'd be. It's acceptance finally, and that was so hard to deal with. I couldn't be on my own. So um, on Friday one of my ex-girlfriends, who I'm still really close to, with co-parent a dog who I was awful to <clears throat> when I went out with her and I'm really, you know, didn't treat her, you know, uh, well, and it breaks my heart. Uh, for some reason I felt I've got to be, I've got to see this person. I've, I've got to see her. And uh, it was 11 at night. It was late in Leeds. Uh, she lives miles away. Uh, and I drove to see her, not to get back, you know, not to, you know, nothing like that. Uh, and I'll never forget this, as I'm driving up, because she was like, of course you can come and see me, even though I was a complete arsehole. Mm-hmm. So that in itself kills you, because you could never give that sort of, someone done that to you, you'd be like, no, see you later. Mm-hmm. And uh, she texts me, and I'm not going to cry, and she texts me and she said, uh, just ring me when you're here. Uh, I've made some food for you. Um, and I've um yeah, i made some food for you and I've also uh opened the window in the in the bed in the spare because I know you like it. Cold. There you go. Uh and that that for acceptance, me, yeah. that, that for me was just like it's massive, isn't it, it was just the most heart you know, just the most amazing thing that someone's ever said. And it yeah, That meant a lot to you. Oh I don't deserve that. But you do, Tommy, you Nah I don't yeah. I was I was a fucking arsehole and I don't deserve that and I'm gonna make amends and I am and I'm going through these steps to to be a better person.
0: Dean, we always ask our guests at the very end, have you got any words of wisdom, any final bit of advice? Might be about retirement, might be about emotions, mental health, don't know, for anyone listening.
2: From, uh, oh gosh, Um, try to have a plan when you're stopping racing, whether it's at World Tour, at UK based. Um, Try to have a plan. Because that really helped you. Because that really helps me. Plans change, so try and be strong enough to replan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just be confident to talk to the people around you yeah. um, that that you know will, will be there for you, whether it's direct family, friends, and be a bit more honest with people to tell them how you're feeling but also what you're doing. That's
0: what I've got from. That's my great advice. I'm about to cry now. Yeah, <laughs> you guys have cried. I haven't cried. You yet. need to, man. Come on, <laughs> <Go> <laughs> cry on <it> now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're on a
1: time budget because we always overlap, and and I'm late and I'm shit. Uh, but look, Dean, mate, it it it, it is um, today's one was different from the other ones. They're always different. Um, we've covered a lot. We've covered uh, a lot. Thank you. I've
2: done a hell of a lot of talking as well, no, which I generally no, do. I, that's what it's about. It's all about that.
1: It's um, good you know, we transitioning into retirement was always one of the top 10 that we, one of the 10 things that we wanted to do last year, because it is a big thing. People mm. do retire. So look, I really do appreciate you and Tom appreciates you, you know, coming over here and telling us your story like that. Well, thanks Here's for having me. Like I said,
2: um, I mean, retirement's not easy. It's never easy, but hopefully we've told a,
1: a bit of a story. Of- I'll
0: tell you what, those cyclists are lucky to have you as their coach. Yeah, they are. Yeah. The, the, the fully well-rounded coach. Yeah, because
1: because you've gone through these things, mate. Thank you. Anytime. Take care. Take care, Dean. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon.
2: The Yorkshire Grit Podcast. Subscribe now on iTunes and Spotify.